This is The Last Coffee House. Biblical interpretation has been a contentious issue since it was written by dozens of authors over hundreds of years. The Hebrew Bible written in Gasp Hebrew and the New Testament written in Greek both and both translated into Elvish and Klingon and parcel tongue as far as I know by now. And now uh, a group of Protestant and Catholic feminist theologians have released a woman's Bible arguing the holy book is not misogynistic but a tool for female emancipation. So the classic line of course, one that's been historically used against Christianity and the Bible in general are all the apparently misogynistic passages in the book, and these women, called feminist theologians, are have released, and I honestly want to get my hands on this, a woman's Bible. They are French theologians, so hopefully, it, I don't know if it was just translated into French or <laughs> translated into English as well, but hopefully I can get my hands on it. I don't speak French. So the article is called, Female Theologians Publish Women's Bible to Counter Claims the Holy Book is Sexist in the Age of Me Too. It was in The Telegraph, written by Henry Samuel. Okay, the article itself. Quote, many feminists have accused the Bible, Christian, and what I said earlier was a quote from the article. It was the headline or whatever. Okay. Many feminists have accused the Bible, Christianity, and religion in general of bolstering a sexist view of society that casts women as subservient. End quote. Yeah, certainly have. They certainly have. Quote, but authors of... A women's Bible published in October say that say that view is often down to a misinterpretation of the holy book by patriarchs and sexists. End quote. Ouch. It says often down, though not always down. So wonder if they can square all of the circles. Quote, in particular, they sought to counter the lingering patriarchal readings that have justified numerous restrictions and bans on women. End quote. Lingering patriarchal readings. So it's the patriarchal readings of the book, not the book itself or the language in the book. Okay, we've got that down. Quote, joining forces with 18 other women theologians from a range of countries and Christian denominations, they have collected a string of texts that challenge traditional interpretations of Bible scriptures that depict women as weak and submissive to men, end quote. So that begs the question if it's just passages that depict women as such or call for women to be such, because they are both. We'll see. Professor Parmentier said, so this is a quote within a quote. The problem is that the Bible has been used to reinforce cultural stereotypes, whereas when you look at the biblical text closely, they are much varied. They are much varied. They are much varied than people think, end quote. Okay. So you just have to look more closely at the text, and that will rectify all of these concerns about biblical misogyny. It's always, you have to look more closely and just redefine as many words as you can to make it comport with whatever your ideology is that you're trying to establish. Okay, we've got an example here. Thank you. Quote, for example, in the chapter in which Apostle Paul said, wives, be submissive to your husbands as to the Lord, he also said, husbands, love your wives. End quote. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this isn't even an argument. So those are obviously very separate things. Uh, wives, be submissive to your husbands as to the Lord. He also said, husbands, love your wives. So husbands can love their wives while still demanding that they be submissive or ruling over them or whatever the case. Generally, you want to use your best example for this kind of a thing. So that's not a great example. Those two things are just completely separate. Paul said, wives, be submissive to your husbands. And he also said, husbands, love your wives. So if that's the kind of scholarship or theology 
that we're going to be seeing. I'm, I'm a little disgruntled. Uh, then it goes on to talk about Mary Magdalene, which I'm perfectly fine with pointing this out. It's actually really important. Mary Magdalene is often conflated with the woman taking an adultery in the Pericope Adultery. Mary Magdalene is often cited as being the woman caught in adultery in that Pericope. Uh, these are separate things. Uh, the Pericope was actually added significantly later, but later tradition conflated those things in Mary, Mary Magdalene, the center of that story. And I think they're using it, they're saying that, oh, well, they called Mary Magdalene a prostitute, and that's, that's what bothers me, or bothers them about the translations. I'm fine with having that issue. And they end with, quote, while some say that you have to throw out the Bible to be a feminist, we believe the opposite, end quote. You certainly haven't made your case uh, effectively in this particular argument, but maybe the entire translation makes a good case. And this is, especially when it comes to biblical translation, there's a fundamental just absurdity about the whole thing. Because everybody who's a Christian thinks that there's some perfect translation, there's some perfect understanding of all the words that come out of the Bible uh, because they believe in the invisible superperson. But uh, of course there's not. There's just a lot of words. There are a, a ton of words that all have various etymologies and histories and any given receiver of those words will think of them in different ways and use them in different ways. And this whole language thing is an incredibly imperfect method for communication. So, I'm just thinking, uh, within the Bible itself, within the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, we don't even get like things like tone or body language or anything like that either, as people are saying the things that they're saying. So we have not much information, and that's why ideology comes into it so much. So people reading the Bible and interpreting it to say, to be, you know, the Word of God, isn't much different from people reading the Bible, interpreting it to get some kind of a feminist message out of it. It's just imposing an ideology on a whole host of words and deciding all all these things are going to mean what you want it to mean, and obviously it's it's bias all the way down. Now, I've read many a version, many a translation of the New Testament. Best one that I've found that scholars tend to use is the New Revised Standard Version, which is great. I love it. It's got tons of footnotes about you know, this was in our earliest manuscripts, this wasn't. This is another way this could be interpreted. You know, all sorts of stuff. So it's great. But one of the things, all the circles that they'll have to square. <laughs> There are so many passages that are very questionable when it comes to feminism and being equal. So just just some of the ver verses. I'm sure most people have heard these before. This is from 1 Timothy 2.12. I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent. And that's the New Revised Standard Version. So the New Revised Standard Version is the most, most accurate interpretation that I know of. And like I said, most scholars use that version of the Bible. So this one is uh, pretty clear. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to interpret it in their Bible. I'd love to find out. But I permit no woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She is to keep silent. Now, first and second Timothy and Titus, scholars are virtually certain that those are pseudonymous, that they're written in with the name of Paul, but they're not actually Pauline. So, I mean, my position would be that the Bible says it, you know, it's in the one of the 27 books of the New Testament, but an original, it's a, it's a forgery. <laughs> it's, it's not written by an original writer. Now, Paul does have some other questionable things, especially when it comes to women, but there's some arguments for those being interpolations as they go against some other of his theology. And this is one thing that Christians definitely did historically when I would argue against them related to this kind of stuff, is they would use a different passage in the Bible that seems to contradict it to say that... <laughs> 
look, look, this contradictory passage clears up the passage that it's contradictory. No, of course it doesn't. That's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they're both in there, so you have to get rid of one. Um, if you're willing to get rid of one, then how do you know which one to get rid of? And it's ideology, obviously. Okay, so Genesis 3.16, just to get some some Hebrew in this. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in, in childbearing and pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. So again, I would love to know what interpretation they use there. That seems to definitely put one party into subservience and the other into a, a patriarchal <laughs> position. So. Ephesians 5.22-24 Wives, be subject to your husbands as you are to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which he is the Savior. So, and this is... This is a nice one because it's just, it points out logical relationships and says, okay, well, you have to use this analogy to understand the way this works. Wives be subject to your husbands, for the husband is the head of the wife. That's simple enough. That seems to say submissive, subject yourself. That's it. But it says that Christ is the head of church as husband is to the head of the wife. So unless you think that the church and Christ are equal, then you couldn't think that a husband and wife are equal. So again, I'd love to know what they, and don't get me wrong. I mean, you can square anything when it comes to using language like this. You can just say, this means this, this means that. That's metaphorical. You know, you can do that with anything. It doesn't matter. I mean, it really doesn't matter. Uh, one of the, I mean, when I was thinking about this at some point, I was trying to think, okay, this has to be an absolutely contradictory statement. There's nothing you can do with it. Like, there is an elephant in this room. There isn't an elephant in this room. And obviously, uh, you know, one of those could be metaphorical. One of those could be a turn of phrase. And the other one could be literal. And there you go. They're no longer contradictory, and you can do that all day with anything. So I'm sure there are all sorts of rationalizations that they try to use for these kinds of things. Uh, what's a, what's a one that they could do here? Christ and church uh, uses an analogy. So I mean, the thing I hear from Christians all the time is that they're they're not one isn't submissive to the other, one isn't superior to the other. They're just different and complementary. So maybe they want to use that. So head of doesn't mean anything when it comes to subservience and ruling. It just means that's your complementary portion. So <laughs> like you're the head of. It doesn't have any kind of a idea about superiority. It just has something about complementarity. I don't know. So again, this is just uh, interpreting a bunch of stuff on the basis of your ideology. And there is no true reading out there in the ether that people are just searching for, honestly searching for. It's just twisting things to a particular ideology, and that's what's so annoying and ridiculous and regressive about so much of this process. So if they've got a more accurate interpretation based on the nature of the ancient Greek or the ancient Hebrew or something like that, or some contextual historical information that gives a better idea about how these words should be translated then, then perfectly fine. If they're just trying to twist and turn a bunch of words to fit an ideology that doesn't seem to fit with another ideology, it's regression. It's pointless. It's the kind of thing that sets us back. It's a waste of human effort and ingenuity. All right, so to lab it, liabilities. Now, I don't have a PhD in ancient religions or theology. I don't speak ancient Greek or ancient Hebrew. So those things, I mean, they would be helpful for certain in this kind of analysis. Although we didn't get much into the depths of this. This was primarily just philosophy, just determining what words are likely to mean and what the likelihood of those being objective interpretations. Uh, but when it comes to informal education, uh, I'm I'm actually fairly well educated on the subject of biblical interpretation. I've read dozens of books on the subject and innumerable articles and listened to innumerable 
discussions and lectures, etc., etc., on this topic. I mean, for like a decade now. Jeez, has it been that long? Uh, but I've been doing this for a while. It's something that has greatly interested me for a while now. So when it comes to the anchor, not much. How complex is this? Right now, just when it comes to the, the propositions uh, related to this article, the propositions I'm levying are that this kind of interpretation is based on ideology, not on scholarship or an objective argument or something like that. It's it's based on ideology and they're just going to be twisting and turning whatever the book says to try to make their two ideologies that are incompatible more compatible or at least seem so so they can rationalize it to themselves when they're laying in bed at night. <laughs> It's not particularly complex in in that. I mean, there are some complexities, and I'm trying to divine whatever. I'm trying to divine the intentions of the people writing this book, and obviously, I, I don't have any access to that. All I can do is base it on what's been written here and what I know about the Bible. Any other complexities when it comes to this? So, anything having to do with human psychology and trying to divine all of that is likely, you know, I'm less confident in whatever that is. But when it comes to the philosophy of trying to understand what these words mean and the philosophy of human beings pretending like there's some kind of a platonic form out there that is the true interpretation of the bible is ridiculous and it's it's easy to argue against and dispel and there's not going to be much weight on that so 200 pounds that's what i'm giving that where i'm primarily focusing on the philosophical underpinnings of this kind of a an exercise so that's what i'm looking at so that's the anchor that's weighing down my confidence in the propositions. And then bias. What kind of bias do I have? Now for at least, I mean, since what? Since I was 12, I've acknowledged being an atheist. And I've been studying this for a long time. And ever since the, the Four Horsemen came about, it's been something that it was great to actually be able to get to talk about this stuff without being roundly attacked by everybody. So given all of that history, it's likely going to impact in some way anything related to the Bible it's just, when it comes to this, like, there's no fundamental, I can say this is the absolute correct interpretation, just like I said earlier. I can't say this is the absolute correct interpretation, that's the absolute wrong interpretation. But if you interpret something like, wives be subject to your husbands, that phrasing, if you interpret that to mean, pineapples shouldn't be on pizza, then there's some kind of a distance there that justifies your incredulity in that kind of interpretation. So there's, there's some spectrum where you can get a lot closer to what makes sense, and a lot farther, a lot further. But there's no fundamental, just like, this is the this is the pole that we have to get near, and uh, you're too far from it, therefore I can criticize you. What the problem is here is that we can't even agree on the fact that there's no... Like, these are words, and we're just sloppy primates trying to communicate with each other, and so we can't even agree on some baseline from which to be able to interpret this stuff. It's just, so when it comes to bias, I can't really affix any kind of a bias on me that's going to make sense. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some kind of a, some biases pushing me one way or the other. You know, I had, what did I have today for lunch? Orange chicken. Uh, that could be affecting... <laughs> my biases on what I want to say about this particular topic. It's uh, slightly dour outside, so that could be affecting it. I have a long history, like I said, it's been more than a decade now that I've been studying this and that I've been an atheist, so those things could be impacting my ability to objectively look at these all these different factors. I don't think it's it's much of a concern in this particular case, but, you know, whatever. Okay, so that's that one, and this one's uh, a little late. I'm going to try to get these things out more regularly. I know that the topics when it comes to this are all over the place. It's kind of how I like it because I, I really want to poke at lots of different things uh, so that there's no complacency here where you just settle in and, and decide, oh, this is what we're going to 
talk about and this is where my brain needs to be to be able to talk about this stuff you know there's going to be greater elasticity of of retention and analysis uh, the more different kinds of topics that we can we can approach so that was a woman's bible and this is the last coffee house and you can email me at the last coffee house at gmail.com and like I said in the last one, I believe, I should be getting a website up there. I'm having all sorts of issues <laughs> doing this stuff, but the website should be coming up. I greatly appreciate anybody who's listening. Otherwise, I'm going to keep plugging away. I'm going to try to do some more of the Sam Harris reading list and the 100 greatest books reading list. But those ones take a little more time. You know, I have to, I have to read them first and then <laughs> you know lay it all out. And it takes a while to read these things, especially some of the ones that I'm on now. Again, thank you very much. Uh, this has been The Last Coffee House, and I hope all is well. Mm-hmm.